Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I am fired up today. I don't know about you, but I'm fired up. So welcome again to Element Church. So glad that all of you are here with us today. Uh, I do want to say hello to our video audience as well. Uh, so no matter how you're joining us on video today, glad you're here. If you're on Facebook Live or using the live feed uh, on our church website, you've been doing a great job sharing that on social media. So please utilize the share buttons available to spread the word about what God's doing here. And if you're new here, uh, my name is Jeff Manis, lead pastor here at Element Church. And today is uh, the last week in a sermon series we've been in really for the last several weeks, the fifth week of the series, the last one. It's called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And the title of the series and the set design behind me here, as many of you know, is modeled after a 1970s and 80s children's television show called Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Don't worry, you don't have to know anything about Mr. Rogers uh, to connect with this series. just helps us with the theming a little bit. I have wanted every week to share something with you. I keep cutting it out for time's sake, but it's the last week, so I thought, i got to share it this week or I'm never going to share this. It was just something funny uh, that relates to the series. So the first week of the series, I kind of mentioned there were some teenagers who served on the production team. They had no idea who Mr. Rogers was. Never heard of him before in their life. They didn't recognize a set design, a cardigan, nothing. They didn't know what any of that stuff was. And so I was trying to explain Mr. Rogers to them. They didn't get it. And so I said, I guess only us old guys understand Mr. Rogers. And one of them asked me, well, how old are you? And so I wanted to know what he thought. And so I said, well, how old do you think I am? Now, I'm 42 years old. He said, I don't know, 32 I was like, oh, bless you, my child. May the favor of the Lord rest. He's now volunteer of the week for the rest of the year, that kid is. It was awesome. So I wanted to share that. I thought that was cute, something to share uh, from the series. So this whole series, uh, to get back to something serious here, this whole series is born out of what Jesus said was the greatest commandment. And in this commandment, I believe Jesus boils down Christianity. He boils down evangelism to loving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves. Now, don't freak out, as I've been saying, about the word evangelism. We're not talking about going door to door and telling people about Jesus. We're not talking about standing on a street corner with a bullhorn telling folks they're going to hell. We're not talking about a pamphlet that says, where would you go if you died tonight? Like, evangelism uses our words but as we've seen in the series, it encompasses so much more than that. So let's look again at what Jesus said, then we'll kind of do a little review of where we've been, and then we'll finish out the series today. Mark 12, 29 through 31, marks the second book in the New Testament. So Matthew, then Mark, says this. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So you might be here today, though, and you're saying, well, I don't believe in God, so how does this relate to me? And that really is a legitimate question. So if you are here or you're watching online and you don't believe in God, obviously loving him with all of your heart is not your highest priority. And while you don't have to love God to be loved here, you need to understand that for those of us who do believe in God, this is our highest priority. That our ultimate goal as believers is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, even when our neighbor disagrees with us. Amen? Because agreement is not the ultimate goal. 
alignment with Jesus is the ultimate goal for us. As we saw in the series, if you want to get caught up on the series, by the way, you can watch all of our sermons online, elementchurchwy.com. You can subscribe to our podcast, download the free Element Church app. There's a number of ways to get caught up or to share sermons uh, with people. But as we saw, when it comes to being a good neighbor, it all starts with our attitude, that we need to have the same attitude as Jesus. That was week number one. And our actions then flow out of, right actions flow out of right attitudes. We're talking about actions in week number two. And our desire is hopefully that we would live in such a way that our actions would actually open up opportunities to use our words to tell people about Jesus. Looked at on the third week, our, our words. And then last week we looked at, well, we're going to pray for opportunities then to tell people about Jesus because no hidden agenda. We do want people to come to know Jesus. And that leads then to the fifth Sunday today. I want to talk to you about our church, being a good neighbor with our Church. Now, when I say church, I'm not talking about the building, okay? The building's where we meet, right? But the church is not the building. We are the, are the church. It's, it's a body of people, specifically a body of believers. So, as we've seen, individually, like I myself, you yourself, individually, we are neighbors. That wherever I go, I'm a neighbor and I should love my neighbors as myself. But collectively, together, we are a neighbor as well, together. So here's how I'm wording it. It's the big idea for today. If you want to write it down, it's on the screens. It's this. The church is made up of neighbors who make the church a neighbor. The church is made up of neighbors individually, but collectively, we make the church a neighbor. So if the church together is a neighbor, here's the question I think we have to answer. How can the church be a good neighbor? How can the church be a good neighbor? If you got your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 4. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then Acts in the New Testament, fifth book of the Bible. If you didn't bring your Bible, don't worry. All the verses will be on the screen to follow along there. If you happen to not have a Bible with you, if you don't own a Bible specifically, uh, we'd love to give you one so you can ask for one at guest services on your way out today and get a Bible free of charge. And, and I don't normally do this. It just happened to work out this week that we are literally just picking up in the story where we left off last week. And so, like I said, it doesn't usually happen that way. This week it does. Uh, so just to, just to kind of fill you in, if you don't remember, if, if you weren't here. Uh, last week, we were reading here in Acts 4. So these are the very first believers in Jesus after the resurrection. These, these very first Christians, they were under threat of jail and possibly death for talking about Jesus. And so they were actually commanded never to speak or teach again in the name of Jesus. After that threat, this body, this church came together and they prayed. But even under threat of death, we talked about this last week, they didn't pray for protection. They actually prayed for power to continue talking about Jesus, continue living for Jesus, continue loving Jesus with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They actually prayed that God would reveal himself to those who don't believe by performing miraculous signs and wonders in the name of Jesus 
Christ. And after their prayer, the Bible tells us that the meeting place shook, the walls shook, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they continued talking about Jesus boldly. And that's, we're literally picking up the very next verse, Acts 4, going to read all of 32 through 35, then we'll see three things here that I think are ways the church can be a good neighbor. So verse 32 says this, all the believers were united. Everyone say united. All the believers, we weren't very united. Let's do it again. I'll just say, say united. Very good. So all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. It belonged to God, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them. Isn't that amazing? No needy people, because those who owned land or houses would sell them, bring the money to the apostles, to the church, to give to those in need. So the church is made up of neighbors who make the church a neighbor. So how can the church be a good neighbor? Three things. First one is this. Be united around a goal. Be united around a goal. In verse 32, we read, all the believers were united in heart and mind. Now that's proof right there, there is a God, right? All the believers were united. Not some of the believers, not a majority of the believers, not even the super duper spiritual believers were united, but all the believers were united in heart and mind. I can't even get my family of six to unite on where we're gonna go out to eat, okay? I can't do that. Like, I, I hesitate even to suggest sometimes that we should go out to eat because about two seconds into that in our van, all hell breaks loose. World War III erupts. People are calling other people names. I'm tempted to use really bad words. Then one of our kids accuses my wife and I of always going to the restaurant they want to go to. And why are they your favorite? And I'm like, you ungrateful little brats. No one's eating tonight, Okay. Can I get an amen from some parents in the room today? <laughs> so here they were under threat of jail. Not my kids, that'd be weird. Like, you're going to jail for complaining. No soup for you, right? So the Christians were, I would want to send them to jail sometimes. Can I get an amen for that too? The Christians were under threat of jail. And the first part of Acts tells us there were about 5,000 men who believed, not counting women and children. So if you include women and children, rough estimates would say perhaps 15 to 20,000 believers at this time. I can't get six people in my family to unite around where we're going to eat. And yet there was 20,000 believers who were united in heart and mind. Come on. No wonder they got a lot done as the early church. So one of the things I pray for over our church on a weekly basis is that we would be united, that we would have unity. Now, on a macro level, on a big level, not just having unity among ourselves here at Element, we'll get to that here in a second, but I pray that we'd have unity with, with other bodies of believers around our town as well. But I hope you understand this. If you don't, you're about to that we are for other churches in Cheyenne. We are for other churches in the state of Wyoming. We stand with them in the mission of Jesus. In fact, something happened today on our stage 
that I gotta be honest, I've never been a part of as a church myself. So it's not the first time it's ever happened in history, okay? But for me, it's the first time I've ever been in a church where this has happened. Um, some of you might have recognized the person on the stage, but today, James Damey, who is the worship director at Cheyenne Hills Church, joined our team for the day. He led one of our songs earlier on in the service. He, he was here on a Thursday night for rehearsal and then helped us worship God today. Literally, he was modeling unity among God's churches. He didn't lead today at his home church. He led here today. Isn't that awesome? It's amazing. So yeah, we, we should thank him for that. And so I am so thankful for James. I'm incredibly grateful for his senior pastor, Galen Huck, who allowed him to come join our team for the day. Talk about unity. That's awesome. And so I, I pray for blessings upon Cheyenne Hills today. We're, we're, we're on the same team, right? Like if, Jesus, if, if someone finds Jesus through Element Church or someone finds Jesus through Cheyenne Hills Church, the point isn't, isn't what church they are in. The point is they are in Jesus. They know Jesus. And so if, if other churches can reach people that we cannot reach, then God, fill up those churches with those people. Can I get an amen today? So on a micro level now, so that's, that's the macro level. On a micro level, and by the way, I believe James will be out in the lobby with the band following the service. Please say thank you to him, shake his hand, and uh, just show some honor to him for doing what he did. I thought that was just awesome. On a micro level, small level, we, we need unity here in this church, right? Like, like not just unity among other churches, but unity in, in our church, in our body. And unless I'm just naive, it feels like we're in a really good place with this right now as a church. It feels like we have some great unity going on in, in our church, our volunteer teams among one another, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't keep talking about it, right? I mean, do you realize that unity is not just something we should aspire to, it's something we are commanded to as Christians? So a guy named Paul, we call him the Apostle Paul in the church, uh, he used to hate Jesus, then Jesus changed his life and he went on this mission for Jesus. He wrote a ton of the New Testament portion of the Bible. He writes this letter to a church in Ephesus. We call it Ephesians. It's Ephesians 4, verse 3. He says this, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. So then Paul also writes another letter, letter to a church in Corinth. We call it Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10 says this, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Now here's the problem, okay? Here's where it breaks down. We hear the word unity and we misunderstand what that means. We hear unity and we think agreement, that to be unified, we all have to agree all the time. And the moment we don't agree, well, there goes unity. Bye, Felicia. She gone. Like, unity's out of here. Like the Raiders from Oakland. Yeah. Hey, they're moving to Vegas. Vegas is going to host a Super Bowl. They got to host one because you know the Raiders won't be in one. So it's been a while. Come on. Unity does not necessarily mean agreement. Unity means alignment around a common goal. 
We're aligned around a goal. So notice in 1 Corinthians, it said, united in thought and purpose. Not united in preferences. Not united in practices. But united in thought and purpose. In purpose. So, I'm using Cheyenne Hills and Element as the example today. Cheyenne Hills and Element, we don't have to minister at the same place physically to minister with the same purpose. We don't have to serve at the same events to serve with the same expectation that people would come to know Jesus. We don't have to worship in the same way to worship the same God. We don't. So one of the reasons why I believe there are so many different bodies, different churches, is because there are so many different people with so many different preferences that it takes different churches to reach different kinds of people. I don't know about you, but I'm glad we don't all look the same as the church. It'd be a boring church. But there's differences. That there is no right way to do church. But every church should point the way back to God, and that's Jesus. Even inside the church, inside our body, we're not all going to agree on preferences or practices. That literally, for every person who thinks the music is too loud, someone else thinks it's amazing. For every, every person who thinks there's another program the church should do, someone finds the perfect program for them to be a part of. For every person who thinks the church should support this project, someone else finds a project in the church that's perfectly suited for them. Like we're not going to agree on preferences or even practices. We're not all going to agree on how we do things. I've said this before from the pulpit. I think it freaks some people out, but it's true. There are some things we do as a church that I don't agree with. They're not my preference. If I had it my way, we wouldn't do it. I'm not going to tell you what it is because it doesn't matter. We're not going to agree on preferences or, or practices. What we can agree on is we will be aligned around a common goal. That our mission, our vision is to be a life-giving movement of people having such an impact that if we were gone, our communities would miss us. That we would somehow live and lead in such a way that people may not agree with what we believe, but they won't be able to argue with the benefit that we have brought to our community. That's who we are as a church and that we can align around. And why is this so important? Why get so worked up about unity in the church? Well, did you know that Jesus prayed for that? When Jesus, in John 17, was praying to the Father on behalf of everyone who would one day believe, that's us, look at what he prayed, John 17, 23. May they experience such perfect, what? Unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me, that our unity with one another can actually point people to God's love. Now tell me that's not important. One of the greatest ways our individual church can model this is this upcoming summer, if you were here about two months ago, back in February, if you're here back at the end of February, we announced that the church is blessing my family and I with a three-month sabbatical this summer. So I'm not going to be here June, July, or August uh, this summer. 
And we're, we're receiving that with great joy. Serving here for 10 years, the church said, hey, we want to prepare you for the next 10 years of ministry. And so we're going to give this to you. We did not ask for it, but we are receiving it with joy. And one of the greatest ways we can model for a church unity is while I'm away, I'm praying our church gets stronger. That I come back stronger. And when I come back, you are stronger as well. Because guess what? This church's strength does not rely on Jeff Manis. It relies on Jesus Christ. And he's not leaving when I'm gone. I don't take Jesus with me when I go. So I think that's a great way we can model unity this summer is by saying, hey, I'm, I'm committed to the church, not Jeff. I'm committed to Jesus and his church. So how can we be a good neighbor as a church? Our unity makes us a good neighbor. Number two is this. We can be the ultimate example of generosity. The ultimate example of generosity. Look at what it says again about the, the very first Christians here in Acts. They were, it says they were all united in heart and mind, and then we're going to read again. Verses 32b and then 34 and 35 says this. They felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. There were no needy people among them. It blows me away every time I read it. Because those who owned land or houses would sell them, would bring the money the apostles would give to those in need. Don't panic. I'm not asking anybody to sell their house or give land to the church. That's not what I'm asking. One of our core values here at Element Church is leading the way in generosity, that we serve a radically generous God, so we're going to be radically generous people. And if you are the one of many people who give to God financially through our church, I just want you to know that whenever our church is generous, you're a part of that, okay? You are, and here's why. Because many of you know this, some of you may not. Every dollar that's given to God through this church, every dollar, we give 10% of that dollar into a separate outreach account that can only be used for outreach to our community and God's kingdom around the world. That literally, from the very first day of our church, 10 years ago, we have been on a mission to show the radical generosity of Jesus through the radical generosity of his church. Last year alone, that translated into our church giving away to God's kingdom and our community $246,000 in outreach. So almost a quarter of a million dollars was used to generously give beyond the four walls of this church, whether that was the back-to-school bash where we gave away 2,000 backpacks with school supplies and brand-new shoes to kids who were in need, or the $14,000 we used to, to help cover some benevolence needs of people both inside and outside our church. We have a number of local and global missions organizations we, we support. We have the One Reach Men's Group that serves the homeless here in town. We have the All for One Ladies Group who serve underprivileged children in our community. We give free rent in this building here in the back of our building to Friday Food Bags, who provides food every weekend for kids to take home uh, because some of their families can't even provide food over the weekend. I mean, on and on and on it goes, these different ways that we are being generous as a church. And when you give, you're a part of that, okay? So just last month, I wanted to come up with an experiment to model generosity, and so Pastor Steve, the outreach team, they set this up. We asked 13 couples in our church if they would help out with a little generosity experiment. And we told them, we want to give you a gift card to go out to eat at a local restaurant. And then we also want to give you $250 in cash to bless the server with as a tip. And we just want you to tell them, we want you to pray before you go, pray that God would align you with the right server 
And then we want you to tell the server, hey, we're a part of Element Church, and we just want to give you this today just to be generous, no strings attached. Thirteen couples went out and did this. Some of them invited other people to go with them, which is, is awesome. I wish I could share every story that, that we had because all the couples said what happened. I don't have time to do that. Uh, but here's, here's three stories, okay? They're on the screen too. Uh, this, this first one's from one of the couples that went. They said this. So much fun. When our waitress looked at the envelope, she spun her head around with her mouth open. I said, we're from Element Church. We want to bless you today. We pray it helps you in some way. She cried, and we cried. She told us she has kids and lots of credit card debt, and this was a huge blessing. Next person said this. We sent the tip back and heard the hooping and hollering in the kitchen. Our waiter said that he's never had anything like this happen to him in 10 years in the industry. This waiter who served 10 years was training someone who was her very first night serving. So they shared the tip. Uh, he said this, I just want to cry. Can I give you guys hugs? He said, as we told him about the opportunity element gave us, he asked, when do you have church? I need to check it out. We gave him the time and he said, I'll see you on Sunday. And then this last one was from an actual server who posted this on social media the night it happened and tagged Element Church in it, she said this. I had this table tonight and nothing was out of the ordinary. They didn't need much or bother me one bit. At the end, I brought them the ticket and the guy at the table said, okay, we're from Element Church. There's a gift card in this envelope that will cover the bill, but we want to bless you tonight. The $250 in cash, we want you to have it. If you know me, you know I don't cry often and I never hug. I started bawling at the table I couldn't even get myself together. Can you picture this happening? It's awesome. I gave both of them hugs and told them a little about the struggle I have been going through. I thanked them 100 times and cried and cried. The woman at the table said, we prayed tonight that God would send us the right person to give this money to, and you were it. Isn't that amazing? So awesome. So awesome. So we got some pictures of the couples that went, the servers they, they served. We're going to let those scroll here. We'll kind of I'll wrap up this little experiment story. With $3,900, bucks, we were able to send out 13 couples. We paid for their dinner. We left a $250 tip for their server. And listen, who knows the kind of impact those little acts of generosity can make on someone's life? Who knows? It's a little act of generosity could change someone's life forever. And you might be asking, well, how many of them came to church? You know what? I don't know. I don't know, and I don't need to know. I don't. If you're here and you're one of those servers, I'd love to meet you. you know, let me know in the lobby. That'd be awesome. I don't need to know that you're here. Because listen, church, we don't serve. We're not generous because there is a return. We're generous because it's right. It's the right thing to do. Be generous. Whether anyone ever comes to church or not, we should still be generous people. It's how we be a good neighbor as a church. And this goes beyond just Cheyenne. Like this is the engine behind the I Heart Wyoming initiative. We want to be a part of elevating, expanding, and reinforcing the credibility of God's church across the whole state of Wyoming. So through your generosity, we have set aside $100,000 on top of the other outreach we do, $100,000 that we are making available as grant money to other churches around our state to apply for a grant. We'll literally give them money to go out and be generous in their community, serve their community in 
a tangible way. And just this last week, we have our first official partner church with iHeart Wyoming, Restoration Church in Casper, Wyoming, received a grant from Element Church to serve their community. They're going to serve homeless children and veterans who live in poverty. They're partnering with other churches and other organizations in Casper. This is what we do. It's why we do what we do to partner with other churches, okay? Awesome. So right now, if you want to, you can go to iheartwyoming.com right now. And you can you know a pastor or you know a, a Christian leader around the state, let them know to go to iheartwyoming.com. You can apply for grant money. There are two other churches that, unless something weird happens this week on Tuesday, they will both become official partner churches as well. One of them in Gillette, one of them in Sheridan. God is on the move, church. Then... This happens inside our church too. So Acts 4.32 says the believers felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. Now, we don't talk about this very much. It's been years since I even brought it up. But several years ago, we thought, what if we lived out Acts 4.32 somehow, sharing our belongings with one another? And so we started this thing called the Element 432 Experiment. In fact, if you go to Facebook, you can go to Facebook right now, you can search Element 432 on Facebook. You can request to be a part of this group. And then someone, if there's a huge influx today, it might take some time to weed through it and to prove who's in the group. you got to be in our church database. you got to be someone who attends our church. But in this group, you can get on there, on the group, and you can say something like, um, I have a refrigerator that I'm not using anymore. Who needs a fridge? And someone who's in the group can comment back, I, I need a fridge. And you just shared what you had with someone else who's in need. Or you can get on there and say, I need a fridge. Like my fridge went out, I can't afford one. I need a fridge or I need a baby crib or I need diapers, whatever. And there are people in our church, this is our church people inside Element, who share with one another, hopefully so that no one is without what they need. Maybe without what you want, right? But we're not out without what we, what we need. There's no selling anything on there. It's all free. It's only free. And we just want to, we want to live out Acts 4.32. That we just feel like what we own is on our own. And so if we can share with somebody else who's in need, let's do that. And let's take care of our, of our body. So the church is made up of neighbors who make the church a neighbor. So how can we be a good neighbor as a church? We've got to be united. I think we're doing pretty good on that one. We've got to be the ultimate example of generosity. We're doing pretty good on that one. Let's keep on going, church. Good job. And then number three, be unashamed about the gospel. Be unashamed about the gospel. So verse 33 of our main scripture said, the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was on them all. But you see, I think we see stories like this in Acts 4 and we think, well, of course they were united. Of course they were generous. Of course they were unashamed. God's great blessing was on them all. But I look at it the other way around. I don't think their actions were a result of God's blessing. I think God's blessing was a result of their actions. I think God's great blessing was on them all because they were united around a common goal. I think God's blessing was on them all because they were leading the way in generosity. I think God's great blessing was on them because they were unashamed about the gospel. They understood that the church, God's church, is his plan 
A for reaching people on the planet. He has no other agenda to reach people except us, the church, the body of believers, whether that happens here in this meeting place or out in the marketplace, we are God's ambassadors for Jesus. There is no one else to spread the message but us. So Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21. I love these verses. He says, so we, the church, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Look at this. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That is the gospel, church. And we should be unashamed of that. Why? Because we are Christ's ambassadors. That we speak for him when we plead, come back. Come back to God. Just two, three weeks ago, our family was out on a bike ride. I wasn't planning on sharing this, but I'm gonna. We were out on a bike ride. It was one of those nights, like spring in Wyoming. It was like, you know, one of those beautiful days. The next day it was like a blizzard. I told somebody from the South, I said, spring in Wyoming is like the hot girl in high school. She'd flirt with you, but she'd never date you. Okay, that's spring in Wyoming. Can I get a witness up in here? So, where was I talking? Oh yeah, bike ride. I told you I was fired up today. We're out on a bike ride, we're riding on the greenway, and we came to one of those spots where you have to cross an actual road. So there's a stop sign on the greenway, but not on the road. And it was all, all uh, five, uh, my three girls, my wife and I, we were riding, and my daughter Mariah and Michaela were out in front of us, and they were kind of laughing, giggling together, and had no idea there was a stop sign. And so I'm back there, and I literally lost my mind. Stop, stop, stop! And it, it ticked my daughter off. It did. Why? Don't yell at me, Dad. I was like, honey, you didn't see the stop sign. I just want you to come back. And as I read that verse, that's what I'm thinking of. Like as, as that happened, as I'm studying this passage, like you know me, I get, I get fired up when I preach. And I think God just like gave me permission this week again to be this way in my preaching because that's how I feel about people. Like the reason I get so, so animated in my preaching is I feel like people are heading for an intersection and they have no idea what's about to happen to them. And we're just saying, would you come back to God? Like there's only one way and you're not going on it. And we're speaking for Christ. We're pleading with people, would you just come back to God? That's how I feel when I preach. Like what if this is the last Sunday I ever preach? Or what is the last message someone ever hears? God forbid I don't give it my all. And that translates into every one of our lives. God forbid we don't give it our all tomorrow. Because it might be our last. Or you might encounter someone who is their very last day and you are speaking for God when you speak in their life. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. So next week is Easter Sunday. This place will be packed with people. I'm going to be asking the question, is it okay to doubt? 
Can I doubt and still follow Jesus? We're going to add a service at 1 p.m. So if you could attend that 1 p.m. service, that would be fantastic, or the 6 p.m. service, because most of our guests will come to the two morning services. Last year we had a little over 2,200 people in church, and we're expecting much of the same this year. So my challenge to you is would you take the invite card on your seat? been asking you the last couple weeks. Take that invite card. Just pray, God, who can I invite to Easter Sunday? Who can I invite? Because perhaps, perhaps they'll attend Easter Sunday or maybe even the invitation itself. They would hear the voice, come back to God. Come back to God. Because we speak for Christ when we plead. Come back. Come back to God. We want to be united. We want to be generous. We want to be unashamed about the gospel. Can we do that, church? Yeah, I think we can. Let me pray for you. And then remain seated. Taylor's got two quick closing remarks. Lord, you're so good. And uh, God, I, I'm, I'm humbled. I'm honored that you allow me to do this. And Lord, I want to do it to the best of my ability. So Lord, with everything I am, I want to be unashamed about you. Help us together as a church, help us as a church be united around a goal, be leading the way in generosity, and be unashamed about the gospel. Lord, help us. I pray for Cheyenne Hills Church today. Thanks for them sharing their worship leader with us. Lord, pray for a blessing upon them and other churches in our town. Lord, may they be filled with life in you today. In Jesus' name, amen.